Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Ridge. Great to be with you. What a gift for me. If, if we've not met, my name is Rob Peterson, and I am the Associate Superintendent of the Canada Covenant, um, a role that I love. I get to, to sit with and, and, and offer pastoral services uh, to our pastors, pastors across the country. I also work on, on several different, different projects. So it is a gift for me to preach this morning. Um, Pastor Evan and Pastor Preston and all the staff at Lake Ridge are some of the best people I know. They are a gift to me, and I know that these dear people are a gift to you. So uh, I'd want you to know, too, that the staff of the Canada Covenant, we pray for all of our churches, including you, that you might flourish and navigate some really challenging times over the last <coughs> 15 to 18 months, so God's peace be with you. Across my office uh, in a, at North Park Theological Seminary, which is a different job that I have in addition to my, my role in the Canada Covenant, across from my office is a safe. It is a full-blown door. It's, like, it's the real, real deal like you'd find in a bank. And, and I was there for the last couple of weeks, and I, I walked by it one day, and I thought, I wonder what's in there. I'm kind of curious. So I asked a colleague, hey, what's, uh, what's in the safe? So on a break, he, <clears throat> he got the combination and you could hear the, you know, the, the dial clicking. And then we, both of us had to pull this heavy door open. And uh, as soon as I stepped into this room, the smell <clears throat> of old books, some of them from the 1880s. I mean, it's essentially sort of a safe place for really important documents, historical documents. But the smell triggered a memory. And you may know this, that um, our smells are some of the most enduring memories that we have as, as human beings. And so I was transported in that moment to a memory as a boy uh, I was maybe 11 or 12 years old, and um, the church where I was uh, attending, Green Timbers Covenant Church, burnt down. There was a fire and basically took the whole church. Um, and I remember walking through that building with my father, and the, the smell was like this, it's, 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 it was almost the same as being in the safe, so, which is kind of a strange story, but, but these memories, they just stick with us. So whether it's the smell of burning leaves in the fall or another smell, it's like these memories are there, they're powerful. Well, I have another memory that I will uh, always, always remember. Our memory is powerful. I was um, driving with my, my wife-to-be across the country. I was 19 years old when I fell asleep at the wheel of a car the car I was driving, and crashed into the back 
of a motorhome on the side of the highway late at night. You can imagine what happened. It was not good. And about two days uh, in the hospital, so Sony, my wife-to-be, uh, she was in intensive care in a coma, fighting for her life. And I, as a young man, was in another part of the hospital recovering from my injuries. And her father, Wally, walked into my room. He came around the curtain. Now, you can imagine this scene in a hundred different ways, I am sure. But here are the first words out of his mouth. Rob, I forgive you. It's going to be okay. And we love you. To be recipients, to be a recipient of that act of mercy, I will never forget that. Even now as I think about it, the, that response of Wally toward me, he had every right to say other things, to feel other things, and maybe he did, well, not in my presence. But for me, I will always remember what it felt like. Even now, it just fills me with this sense of gratitude and joy to be a recipient of mercy. Pastor Preston shared with me that you are making your way through the Beatitudes, these paradoxical, whimsical, pithy sayings of Jesus. And he invited me to, to preach on this fifth Beatitude. And uh, here it is. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That's my story. A recipient of mercy. Here's how Eugene Peterson translates it in the message. You're blessed if you care. At the moment of being careful, you find that you are cared for. Mercy. Being merciful. Now these phrases that Jesus uses in Matthew 5 recorded there, he's, really, he's standing in front of his disciples, his friends, and the crowds are growing. And as the crowds grow, he launches into this, this colorful, poetic um, teaching about the deep values, the transforming perspectives of people who will follow him in the kingdom of God. They're paradoxical, these things. They're, they're, they're mystery. They're kind of upside down. Happier those who weep. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, for they will be comforted. These brief statements are, I think, a way that Jesus is trying to instill something in his followers. And what he's trying to instill is if you make a public statement of loyalty to Christ, to him, you are entering into a way of being, a way of living in the world that is very different than anything you have lived up until this moment. He's painting the picture of the kingdom of God and its values. These sayings in the Beatitudes are both commands, do this. They're also declarations of profound truth. This is the way life is in the kingdom of God. They are also, I believe, pathways to flourishing. If the question is, Rob, what would Jesus say to the question, how do you get the full life? Like, where do you find the good life? 
How can I have the life that is flourishing? The answer according to the fifth beatitude is be merciful. That's a life that leads to a good life is to be merciful. But I think one of the best descriptions of what are, what's going on in these Beatitudes is this, that they are in a way descriptions of Jesus himself who perfectly fulfills these Beatitudes, who reveals God's kingdom as it could be, should be, and can be lived. So let's go back to this little phrase, blessed are the merciful for they will see, receive mercy. I want you to notice a few things about this verse. First of all, it's focused on others. The previous four were more focused on the, the person hearing these truths. Now this verse is focused on doing, acting. Happy are those who act mercifully toward others they will be shown mercy. Now, mercy is a little word, but it's simple. I think most of us get it. It's a vital quality of the disciple's life, as it should be. Rebecca Eklund, in her book, Beatitudes Through the Ages, I think does a masterful job of looking at this little word of mercy and understanding in its biblical context, but also in his, how it was used throughout history and understood. And uh, here's what she says about this little word, mercy. One, it is an invitation to be merciful is to help the needy. Pretty straightforward. To, f to physically, financially help the needy. Two, it is to forgive those who offend us. More challenging. And then three, to be merciful is to welcome the outsider. So this first part of mercy, if it's, it has many parts, but let's just say three sides of mercy. The first side is to help those in need. Way back in the early church, whether it was Cyprian or Ambrose or, or even in, in, in the Middle Ages and up into the Reformers, all of them interpreted this verse as a, as a call, a command to almsgiving. Now, it's an ancient word, it's an old word, almsgiving. We don't really use that word, but it, it, it's the biblical way of saying, take your resources, your money, and take your material goods and give them away to the benefit of those who are in need. Helping the needy is to show mercy. I've heard stories <laughs> about Lake Ridge, how you are helping the needy. That is to be, the that is being merciful. So I celebrate that with you. I love the way this ancient writer, A.M. Carre, says about this part of mercy. Not a misery escapes the attention, the tenderness of the people of the Beatitudes. Not a misery escapes the attention of the people of the Beatitudes. No human misery or suffering escapes our attention because we are Jesus people. We are looking out, attentive to the needs around us. The second part of mercy, the, the second side, is to forgive the offender. You know there's this 
powerful, challenging word in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Wow. To be people of mercy is to forgive those who have hurt us. To forbear those who are not nice to us. To be gentle. And all of this is connected. Now this is the challenging part of this verse. I would say I'm the first. It's hard. It's hard to be merciful to people who have hurt me. It's really hard. But this is the, this is the power, the beauty, the paradox of being people of mercy. It's the pattern of Christ. That's what he did. That's what we can do and should do. The third part, the third side, it has many sides now, of mercy is welcoming the outsider. And the accent here is on welcome. In Matthew, a couple times Jesus says to, to disciples and or to religious leaders, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And in one occasion, he says this to, to religious leaders who are really concerned that he is hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with the riffraff, the, the people on the outside. The, nobody wants to hang out. Nobody should hang out with those people. So the religious leaders are upset. And Jesus says to them in response to their concern, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In other words, I desire you, me, to be compassionate toward the outsider, to welcome them, to get close to them, rather than just offering up sort of mind-numbing sacrifices to God, thinking that somehow pleases God. What really pleases God is to act in a way that is full of mercy. So, we got these three sides. <clears throat> Helping the needy, forgiving the offenses of others and the offenders, and welcoming the outsiders. But I want you to notice something else. This, this beatitude is almost perfectly balanced. And the second part is, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. How are these connected? Well, the implication of this connection is unsettling. On one level, sort of just on the pure human level, those who are unmerciful, and I think we... We probably fall in that category once in a while. Those who are unmerciful, consistently unmerciful, tend to be treated with scorn. Or in other words, really mean people have very few friends. And when trouble comes to really mean people, there's not a whole lot of people around to ask, to, to offer a lending hand. We have indifference. Think Scrooge. So blessed are the merciful, they will receive mercy. Or unmerciful people, you're probably not going to be shown a whole lot of mercy. So that's the connection. It's challenging that there's something, there's a connection between how we treat others and how we can be treated. But in, on a deeper level, there's something even more unsettling because implied in this verse is God's mercy toward us. Is it connected, God's mercy toward us, and our mercy toward others? I'm going to invite you to think about that this week. But you can't really escape it in this text. I'll let you wonder. But I think what we, we were to feel in this text of blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy, is <clears throat> sort of a woe. Woe to the people who are 
merciless, or woe to the unmerciful. Why? Because that impacts, in a way that I can't fully explain in this short sermon, how God approaches us. There's a connection. Woe to the unmerciful in this life. Or maybe we, I could say it this way. Failure to be merciful exposes the falsity of our Christian faith in a merciful God. Failure to be merciful exposes a falsity in our faith in a merciful God. That's challenging, a bit unnerving. So we have this little word, mercy. It has some parts to it. It has a link to, to our behavior and to how people see us and to how God interacts with us. Now, I know I can't explain everything, but here's what I like. I, hear, I really like this phrase. When I think about this beatitude, a, a writer from the 1500s, okay, a few years ago, uh, Henrik Nicholas wrote, when speaking about this fifth beatitude, he summarized it this way. Mercy is stretching out our hand to offer help and hope and compassion. Mercy is stretching out our hand to offer help. The full life, the curious, happy life of Jesus is a life of mercy, of stretching out our hand to those around us who have needs. Jesus tells a story in Luke 10, that, uh, the, the Good Samaritan story, which was read. It's a story of someone stretching out their hand. In response to a question of a religious leader who wanted to kind of trick Jesus into, Jesus, are there people that we don't really have to be neighborly to? The command says, love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus, but maybe, maybe there's a limit to this, Jesus. What do you think? And Jesus launches into this parable of the Good Samaritan. There is a man who falls among robbers. He's left for dead. And two esteemed religious leaders see him at the side of the road and they make their way around him, not stopping to stretch out their hand to help, but make their way on. But then the Samaritan a scorned, ridiculed people group. That's who the Samaritans are. Recipients of racist hatred for centuries. It's the protagonist, is the hero of the story is a Samaritan. The Samaritan comes upon the man given up for dead and stretches out his hand, puts the man on his donkey, takes him to a hotel, pays for his hotel and all of his expenses. And then Jesus turns to the young man who asked the question about, are there limits to, to, to who we should be a neighbor to? And Jesus says, who in this story was the neighbor? And the lawyer says, the one who had mercy on the man. And Christ says to him, go, you got it. Do likewise, go and do it. Go live a life of mercy. To love Christ is never ever to put limits on the definition of neighbor. No boundaries for love, there are no boundaries for mercy.
the parable forces us to remember that public loyalty to Jesus commits us to a public life of mercy. But here's the good news. The good news is that everyone who is watching this video, everyone who is gathered listening to this message, has been shown the mercy of Jesus Christ. Christ has stretched out his arm to us, who he has welcomed us. Like the good Samaritan, Christ has seen us. Christ has bent down toward us in love. Christ has lifted us up. Christ has paid all of our bills on our behalf. He did that. He does that. And he will always stretch out his hand for his people. That's the good news. The one who preaches, blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy, is the one who modeled the good Samaritan life of mercy. And he's done that for me. He's done that for you. The good news is that to everyone who is a recipient of the mercy of Jesus, it's an invitation again today to feel that, the joy of that, the gift of that. Like my father-in-law, Wally, who, comes around, who came around the corner in, in my uh, hospital room, Christ comes around the corner at some point in our life. We, we can remember that time, and maybe, it, and, and maybe it's even recent, but Christ comes around the corner of our life, and the first words out of his mouth to us, I forgive you. It's going to be okay. I love you. Come and follow me. Christ, who is full of mercy, offers us first chances, second chances, and third chances. Christ, full of mercy personified, speaks a word to us today even. Do we need help? Is there anything going on in our story where we need Christ to stretch out his hand again, as he's done so many times? And to offer us hope. He will do that. That's what Jesus does. And maybe part of your response to this message is to, is to let Christ reach out to you again. And to receive that. Whatever is going on in your story. The good news is that as recipients of mercy of God's unfailing life. Christ's answer to the question, how can we really be happy? How can we really be full of joy? How can we really have the life that's blessed? The answer to that is to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They will receive mercy. I wonder what your response to this message could be this week. I invite you to take this little phrase and to pray it, to own it, and then to look this week, to look this week as you make your way into work, neighborhood, home, and city, to look for ways to stretch out your hand. That's real life, abundant life. I began my message by telling you that as a young teenager, the church that I attended was burnt down twice. What I didn't tell you is that the woman 
Let's call her Anne. That's not her real name. But Anne attended Green Timbers Covenant Church. And she burnt the church down twice, the original building and then the chapel we were, the temporary chapel we were meeting in, in South Surrey. She was caught and she was incarcerated. But Anne was befriended by my mother. I could tell you stories of Anne in our home coming for coffee. She suffered from significant mental health challenges. Challenges that led her to hear voices, to do all kinds of things. But my mother was her friend. And there is a memory I will never, ever, ever forget. It is imprinted in my heart and my soul. It is a memory of mercy that on one of the first Sundays in this new church building, I walk in and I see my mother and Anne sitting side by side together in worship. Wow. That's life. That is a blessed life. Blessed are the merciful. May it be true of us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us. And then fill us with a new joy, a new energy to take the mercy that you yourself give to us and to let it out through outstretched hands to the people around us that Lake Ridge would become known. Oh, that church, oh, they're so compassionate. They're so gracious. They're so welcoming. They reach out and they care for the needy and the poor and those on the fringe. May you bless Lake Ridge, oh God, with a new vision to be people of mercy. For your glory and our neighbor's good, I pray. Amen. Great to be with you. So uh, peace and uh, grace. Take care.